Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And a very good Tuesday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. And while the nation continues to mourn the death of Vicky Phelan, it was yesterday morning while we were on air that we heard the very sad news of the death of uh, Vicky Phelan. She had died at Milford Hospice in Limerick early yesterday uh, morning. And while the nation, there's just this huge outpouring of love and respect and grief uh, about the loss of Vicky Phelan. And even watching it on the news last night, you know, when they were going around doing Vox Pops and asking people how they felt about uh, Vicky Phelan, people spoke about her almost as if they knew her. And we all felt like we knew her because I think we saw her so much and she was so much the public face of the Cervital Check uh, controversy that we all felt she was almost a part of uh, our, our, our family. So everyone in this country is so saddened by it but it's her heartbroken husband and the children of Vicky Phelan who've paid a very emotional uh, tribute and they described her as being the heart and soul of uh, the family. Uh, The most poignant message of all I think came from her husband and uh, her two children who she adored, Amelia and Dara who said her loss will leave a void that seems impossible to fill. Uh, They said in the statement they issued yesterday, we cherish the memories of a loving wife, mother, daughter, sister, whose ability to deal with the struggles of life has inspired not only ourselves, but the entire nation. And at the end of their statement, they said that the outpouring of grief and good wishes from far and wide are truly appreciated. So it's good to know that they are getting some comfort from this outpouring of grief and this outpouring of love towards Uh, Vicky and other family have stated that her funeral will be private and I do think that's the right thing to do for the family but they have promised that people will be given an opportunity to pay their respects in due course so no doubt there'll be some other kind of a mass I imagine or some other kind of a ceremony that people will be able to attend but the actual funeral itself will be uh, private and I think for her 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 husband, her children and her parents sake I think that is the right uh, thing to do. And just to remind people back in 2019 Vicky wrote uh, a memoir, really, really powerful a book called Overcoming and I imagine to any bookshop listening, get in more copies of that book because I have a funny feeling people who maybe didn't read it in 2019 
might want to read it. It certainly is a book. I was thinking about it last night because I remember reading it in 2019. It's a book I'm certainly going to reread again because it was such a a powerful uh, read. And, you know, in the in the foreword to that book, she obviously was thinking about what people would want to know, you know, where she drew her strength from. How did she keep going? And I quote from the foreword of of her memoir, uh, the reason that she was doing what she was doing for Amelia and Dara. You are my reason for living. It's all been for you. She said, my children are what drives me every day and what makes me fight for any time I can have with them here on this earth. And this she was writing this, obviously, the, for the foreword for the book. She said, I don't know how this book will end or if I will make it to the end, but I need to tell this story while I'm here to tell it, while I have time on the clock. How this all came about the secrets, the trials, the tribulations. And then she went on to say in the book, she swears, I'll tell you everything as best I can. The untarnished truth. And uh, she ended the foreword with, I am Vicky Phelan and this is uh, my story. And of course, Vicky was given an incorrect smear test uh, result in 2011. How her life would have been so different if that smear test had been read correctly. She went on then to develop cervical cancer in 2014. And at that point, she was given a very, very short period of time to uh, live. And then she, you know, she realised what had happened. And, and as she, even how she found out, she was sitting waiting to go into see a consultant and she was sitting with her, her file, her medical file, and she was just flicking through it. And she happened to read on it that there had been, one of her smears had been uh, misread. And of course, that then led to her going to the High Court. And she settled a High Court action in April of uh, 2018. And she settled it for... 2.5 million but she could have got a bigger sum of money but she refused to sign a confidentiality agreement and if she'd signed a confidentiality agreement the deal would have been even higher but she said no she wasn't going to sign the confidentiality uh, agreement and instead she disclosed her discovery of the internal cervical check look back audit showing how some women who went on to develop cancer had incorrect readings telling them at the time that there was no abnormalities found and because and we'll all remember that day when she stood outside the High Court in April of uh, 2018 and it got played that piece where she spoke outside the court and again she was talking all about her children and how the money was going to be used to try to buy her time to to get as much treatment as she could to keep her alive for as long as she could for for her children but by her going public and not accepting a bigger settlement that triggered what then became known as the cervical check controversy and then a series of reviews with a scathing findings that the screening organisation was doomed to fail at some point because there was such poor quality assurance and oversight that none of this uh, really should have happened and that time in April of uh, 2018 when she was speaking outside the High Court she believed at that time that there was about 10 other women who were affected but like up to late August of this year almost 370 cases have been brought to the High Court relating to smears undertaken by the National Cervical Check Screening uh, Programme. So, you know, there was way more than than the uh, 10 and she had absolutely nothing to gain that day uh, except she was doing it for everybody else and then she thought she was only doing it to help what she thought was going to be 10 other women and I just thought I was thinking, my God, the bravery of 
that woman she could have taken more money more money that she could have maybe used for treatments more money that she could have used to set up her children but she she knew that a wrong had been done and that other women wouldn't have been aware of that wrong now her solicitor Keen O'Carroll who's gone on to become a very good friend of hers he's way more than her uh, solicitor he said that her case blew the lid off the cervical check scandal and it led to very important decisions in so many other cases and when he was asked yesterday about Vicky Phelan's legacy Keanu O'Carroll, her solicitor said Vicky Phelan was beautiful she was brave she was tenacious and she was an inspiration to everyone around her and hopefully she'll remain an inspiration for a long long time to come she showed that when you stand up for truth and honesty with courage you can achieve a hell of a lot and because she continued to strongly advocate for cervical screening she has saved so so many lives and there's a lovely piece in the Indo written by uh, the journalist uh, Billy Keane who's a really good friend of Vicky Phelan's and I'll just read you just the opening paragraph of it um, Billy Keane writes she fought for the living and she fought for the dead and she fought to live Vicky Phelan died on her terms. Vicky said to a friend only last weekend, I'm ready to go now. She gave her all. She did her very uh, best. And all of the Irish papers today, every one of them are running with front page beautiful photographs and she was just such a beautiful beautiful woman as well and there's just gorgeous photographs of her on as I say all of the papers uh, uh, today but I do think the Irish Examiner have nailed it they have literally half of the front page of the front page of their newspaper today and of course the Examiner big broadsheet paper and it's a black and white photograph of just a beautiful serene looking photograph that was taken I don't know when it was taken of Vicky and she's looking skywards and it's just it's just a gorgeous peaceful serene photograph and underneath it they simply write uh, thank you uh, Vicky and of course the best tribute to Vicky is ensuring that this never ever happens again. WhatsApp that came in overnight saying uh, Hi Patricia, listening to the repeat of the programme. Of course the programme goes out on repeat from 11 o'clock at night and Tommy Fleming who was on with the programme on with us yesterday. Tommy Fleming is just fab. Every time I hear Tommy Fleming I automatically think of Anne Hurley in uh, Charleville. Uh, she absolutely adores him and of course she got to sing. It was part of Anne's bucket list. Remember she got to sing with uh, Tommy on uh, TV and I wonder how she is uh, doing and actually somebody else yesterday as well when we had Tommy on said I wonder how Anne Hurley is doing and I was talking to John Paul in the office and I said we must get Anne on she's long long over we're long overdue uh, a chat with her I keep in contact with her certainly on Facebook that's where social media is is great I know she was she had um, a trip to the A&E in um, CUH at the end of October but I think everything's doing okay with her but we certainly will uh, check in with her because we are long overdue a uh, text so thank you to a number of people remember are talking about the wonderful Anne Hurley especially when we had Tommy on yesterday and absolutely really really enjoyed our chat with uh, Tommy yesterday and so did so many listeners and of course he won't be back to our neck of the woods again until February he's got uh, two dates the the first Friday and the first Saturday in February Uh, Tommy Fleming will be playing live at the uh, Cork Opera House
Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. Now, last week, the doll heard about the backlog of up to six months for people trying to access an appointment at an NCT centre, with one transport expert saying staff at the centres are firefighting to try to deal with the waiting lists. North Cork Fine Gael Councillor Jared Murphy says more needs to be done, especially around the Gardaí using their discretion when stopping someone who has an out-of-date NCT cert on their car. And Councillor Jared Murphy joins me. Good morning to Jared. Good morning, and, Patricia. And good to talk to you. OK, first thing, tell me about one of your constituents who's contacted you. She was stopped with an out-of-date NCT by a member of Angarda Siakona. What happened? Well, she had applied for uh, an NCT test uh, about uh, eight or ten weeks prior to that. Uh, she had got a date for a week after the time she was stopped. Uh, she was stopped. Uh, the NCT uh, was out, but she was due to do a test within a week. Uh, the She had the documentation in the car saying that she had an appointment to do uh, an NCT the following week. Uh, the guard, uh, and the guard correctly, because uh, technically speaking, he has no discretion in that. Technically, he said, that's not my business. And he proceeded uh, to issue a ticket. And uh, uh, so uh, the choice that the constituent had at that stage was to appeal the ticket uh, to uh, a section in Templemore. Uh, she did that, and she got a response back saying uh, that... Uh, the appeal was not being allowed, uh, and that if she wanted to pursue it further, the only way of doing it was to go to court. And that the situation then could arise where the fine would be doubled, and the points would be doubled, so she was not prepared to take that risk. Uh, so she paid the fine and took the points. Which is, it's, it's 80 euro, isn't it, and three penalty points? Yes, correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, the situation is, you know, there has been some discussion uh, about this nationally yeah. uh, since the, uh, the African and the continent, and uh, basically some people uh, that are commenting on it are intimating uh, that the guards should use their discretion. Uh, basically, situation is the guards have the power uh, if somebody has an NCT to issue a ticket on the spot or indeed to take the car off the person. If they yeah, the car, the, the, yeah, the car can be seized. car can be seized if the guard considers that the car is not roadworthy. So it's a very difficult situation for the guard to hit. It's an impossible situation for the person who cannot get an NCT test. Uh, and have to go about their daily uh, work, have to take kids to school, have to go to work, uh, have to do necessary things in life. Uh, and yes, they are totally at the discretion of uh, a guard that makes decisions. And, and we, we certainly are hearing from people who say that they have been stopped or there was a guard at the checkpoint and they got stopped and when the guardie said your NCT is out of date and the person said sorry there guard there 
pulls out their phone or has something in their glove compartment to say that their test is due in the coming weeks, in the coming months. The guard that says that's fine and, wa- and waves them on. But, but, it, but it literally is at the discretion of the member from Garda Shia Corner, who, who, as you say, is still only doing his job right by issuing a fine and penalty points. Correct. Uh, the is put in the guard in a very unusual situation, uh, in the sense that uh, he has to decide on the spot uh, whether uh, not to issue the fine, uh, and he has to decide to a certain extent is the car roadworthy enough to continue with the journey. And this seems very unfair, particularly in the case that you're highlighting of a woman who in just another week's time was going forward to have her test done. It wasn't a case that somebody was stopped and they hadn't even bothered trying to get an appointment. She actually no, had the appointment. She actually had the appointment. Uh, seems very unfair. Uh, it's just something that needs to be clarified. And it's difficult in a sense to clarify because uh, the Garda's instructions are under the legislation and under the law, and I think should issue a ticket or take seize uh, the car. The unfortunate driver is uh, a situation where they can't get uh, a test and they need their car to do, go about their daily business. Uh, so there needs to be some intervention uh, by the Minister to allow that discretion uh, and flexibility uh, to guard the... Uh, particularly, particularly if somebody is stopped and they have evidence that they applied in time and that they have a date. Yeah, applying in time is a very difficult situation though because it depends on which part of the country you're in. It depends on uh, what test centre you can get to and the waiting times for the various test centres really is enormously Yeah, I mean, you'll read um, in in some articles uh, that they'll say, oh, the waiting time is like 24 and a half days. In reality, in some parts of the country, you can be six months. Here in Cork, it's particularly busy. You can be six months for some of our NCT centres. The figure that's been mentioned is an average figure throughout the country. Uh, But the local test centre that a person locally is used to going to or a test centre within a reasonable uh, distance of them. The wait time could be two, three months, four months. And of course, the problem is that the NCT centres themselves say that they have recruitment issues. I mean, do, do we now need to look at Aplus, the company who run the NCT centres? I mean, how do we get around their recruitment issues? Patricia, we have to accept they have a recruitment issue and there is recruitment issues not only in NCTs but in uh, an enormous jobs, uh, enormous amount of jobs uh, around the country at this point in time. But we managed to do this uh, during the COVID situation by extending the life of the NCT by three months first, I believe, and by six months then. There's a solution. Uh, uh, so there is a methodology already established that the government and the minister used during COVID in order to uh, deal with the situation. They didn't want people making unnecessary journeys during COVID, uh, and they extended the life of the uh, um, of the actual certificate in order to avoid that. That could be done at 
against that house and all the uh, whispered goodness. Yeah, and, and then uh, give the company six months to work through this backlog. Correct. But I was also reading yesterday evening, uh, Gerard, that people failing to show up, more than 65,000 people failed to show up for their NCT so far this year. People need to cancel the appointments on time so that they can be reissued to other people. Um, Patricia, there is absolutely no excuse for that. Uh, if people make an appointment unless they have a reasonably genuine, uh, a very genuine uh, uh, excuse, and it will happen at times that people will not be able to make it, uh, particularly elderly, elderly uh, people uh, that may be sick, might just, but they should make the cancellation as quickly as possible so that somebody else can take it up. Yeah, because, you know, a number of people are still point, are pointing out, including Michael, who said, I was uh, trying online for an NCT. I was having no luck at all. Uh, the dates were too far away from when my NCT search was going to be expired. So I rang the NCT number on their website. I got through to a person who booked the Blarney Test Centre for me. Uh, you can ring Dublin 4135992. Uh, and uh, yeah, and I, di- I did the other trick that people advise. If you wait up until midnight and go on, they often put up other uh, dates that have become uh, available but even allowing for all of that there's still a huge amount 360,000 people are still waiting to do uh, an NCT and by the way Michael a co- or Jared, a couple of people thank you for that Michael a couple of people are asking the constituents uh, who you were talking about did she pass the NCT the following week or do you know Yes, she, she did. Ah, oh, bless her heart. Oh God, just God. Yeah, I just I feel so sorry for her. That was just such a horrible thing to have happened to her. Okay, uh, listen, Gerard, thank you for that, and uh, thanks for joining us. Pleasure. Thank you. Very okay. Much. Good morning to you, and I do think that could be a solution why we get through this backlog and why the NCT centres sort out their recruitment uh, issue. If we extended the NCT certs a little bit, like as Jared said, we did it. We were able to do it during COVID times. Why can't we do it now? Because people are fearful now driving around without an NCT for fear that they're going to be stopped. The fine is bad enough, but the the sting in the tail as well is to get penalty points. And remember, if you get 12 penalty points, you're off the road. 0818 John Paul taking your calls. And actually, when I mentioned the Blarney Test Centre, if anybody recently had their NCT at the Blarney Centre, somebody is wondering, do you still have to stand outside the Blarney Test Centre? I'm assuming that was done during COVID times uh, was it could you imagine last week with all the rain well certainly I had an NCT done in the Charleville test centre about two weeks ago uh, now and I didn't have to stand out in, in the in the rain um, we, we were able to allow to sit in the waiting room so does anybody know did anyone who had an NCT done recently in Blarney are people allowed inside to sit and wait while their car has been down been um, processed and somebody else says we need to close down the NCT centres you can't do that because they're under a contract we need to look at the way we operate NC, NCTs they should be given out to garages a little bit like what they do with the MOT uh, in the UK 0818 103 103 John Paul taking new calls Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie
Kai. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. The organisation representing the tourism sector has warned that if the level of tourist accommodation being used to house Ukrainian refugees and asylum seekers does not fall, it will have an enormous knock-on effect for the sector next year. Joining me to discuss their concerns is Owen O'Mara Walsh, who is Chief Executive of the Irish Tourism Industry Confederation. Good morning to you, Owen. Morning, Patricia. And you're very welcome to the programme. OK, firstly, how many tourist beds are currently being used by different government departments uh, to house either Ukrainian refugees or asylum seekers. Have you an actual figure on how many beds? Yeah, it's 22% of all the tourism beds in the country. So I can't do my maths, but there's about 60,000 bedrooms, tourism bedrooms in the country. So 22% of those at the moment are contracted by the government for either Ukrainian refugees or international asylum seekers. And, you know, I I think, um, you know, it's only appropriate that we are um, being as generous as possible to people who are fleeing wars and and in great difficulty. But I suppose our concern, you know, from the tourism industry perspective is that, you know, that sort of uh, bed stock taken out of the tourism equation is okay in November, December, January. But if it's still the case, or indeed if, if, if the figure... Is, is, is worse in March, April, May, we're going to have a huge um, problem uh, in terms of uh, tourism. And you, you'll have tourism towns up and down the length and breadth of the country where there won't be uh, beds available. And therefore, there'll be a huge uh, knock-on consequence in terms of jobs and revenue. And Owen, are some parts of the country more affected than others? I mean, we, we, we seem to hear a lot about Killarney, for example. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the first thing to say is that getting figures uh, from uh, government and from the department, it can be a challenge. But we know now from, because we, we had a, a question answered in the door last week, we know that, um, let's say, 22% of, of, of all beds in the country are, are, are out of the equation. Um, if you remove Dublin, it's 26% of, of regional Ireland. And certainly in places like Killarney or Donegal or Leitrim, uh, you know, our evidence uh, suggests that, you know, the numbers are, are well in excess of that. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's worrying that the government doesn't have a, a better thought through plan as to where these uh, people are going to be housed and accommodated. Because the other issue, of course, is that this issue is not going to go away. The Ukraine war, unfortunately, looks like it's going to rumble on and on. And of course, um, you know, there's no homes for these poor people to return to. So we're going to have to find medium term um, solutions for them. And we can't just be placing them in, in hotels and guest and houses. It's, and it's, it's, it's unfair on, on them themselves as well to expect them to live long term. As God, we know, uh, ask any of the 10,000 Irish families that are living in hotels who are homeless. It's, it's impossible to live. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I mean, a normal life. Yeah. But the government believe, Owen, that we'll need another 15,000 beds by yeah. next month. Do you believe at this stage that the government needs to look outside of hotels and guest houses? I, I do. I think, I, think that, I think it's high time that the government uh, published a, a very comprehensive, transparent plan as to how uh, all these, you know, the current refugees and indeed the, the future refugees, because you mentioned 15,000, that's just by the end of December. You know, there'll be more in January and February and so on. Um, but we need to know where they will be housed uh, and for how long. And I think there needs to be a much more creative and balanced approach to this issue. So, you know, modular homes have been mentioned, but also I think, uh, you know, reconstituted state buildings, uh, vacant dwellings, um, unused guard stations, you know, any sort of state land or state buildings. And there's a 
lot of local authority buildings which are unused. They need to be re, re, reconverted into a, a refugee and asylum seeker space because we can't uh, depend on, on, on the bedstock within the tourism economy because, you know, if that's the case in, into next spring and summer, there's a whole raft of, of unintended consequences which, which will really damage uh, jobs and, and revenue and, and tax receipts for the government. Yeah, because hotels that are full in an area but not with tourists has a wider impact on the local economy, doesn't it? I mean, because obviously the tourist spend isn't going yeah, to be there. Absolutely. I mean, Fort Ireland, which is the, the tourist agency in the country, they have a lot of good data on this. But for every euro that a tourist spends on accommodation, that tourist spends €2.50 on other services, whether that's retail or tourist attractions or restaurants or pubs or, you know, guided tours. Um, so, you know, you mentioned Killarney. You know, if, if Killarney, if, if there's a shortage of tourism beds in Killarney, that means um, Killarney pubs, restaurants, tourist attractions, you know, the Jarvis, you know, they will all miss out on the tourism dollar. Um, so, you know, that massive unintended consequence is something that we have to avoid. And the tourism industry is trying to recover own post-COVID. I mean, could this crisis not, come at, not have come at a worse time for the sector? Absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, you know, uh, Bre- Brexit was the big issue a few years back. That, that that seems now to be, you know, in the halfpenny place. COVID obviously was massively destabilising. This summer, uh, summer just gone, uh, was strong. The recovery in tourism was kind of much quicker than expected. But of course, uh, no sooner had COVID sort of retreated than the Ukrainian war and and the sort of arrival of refugees and asylum seekers uh, has 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 happened um, at a great pace. So, you know, the worry is that this will will delay Irish tourism's recovery. For quite a few years and I think the important thing to say about tourism is that it's the largest indigenous industry the country has and it's the biggest regional employer by far you know if you look along uh, you know parts of the wild Atlantic way or, or parts of, of West Cork and stuff you know there's, there's very little other industry or economic activity but for tourism so we have to protect the sector yeah and are we, are we seeing an increase in international visitors this year yeah, this year has seen a recovery. We, we'll probably get to about seventy-five percent of pre-pandemic levels, which which is not That's bad. Good, yeah. Which is not bad at all, you know. And we're delighted with it. And you know, uh, hotels and, and guest houses and and tourist attractions up and down the country uh, have seen a much better summer. But but as I say, kind of nearly, we're we're all looking forward rather than than back. And you know, there's macroeconomic wobbles. There's there's you know concerns on on inflation and energy costs. But also this big concern that a lot of the tourism bedstock is going to be unavailable next year, which is going to have a direct impact on um, on the tourism economy. Yeah, do you, do you think the new year is going to be a very very challenging time for the tourism sector? I mean, we've spoken with some local hoteliers, and it has been eye-watering their electricity bills when they have uh, come in, and you know everything is going up. We've got soaring cost of inflation. I mean. Th- the early months of next year are going to be a really difficult time, aren't they? Yeah, for ab- many? Ab- absolutely. And, um, you know, that's, that's why in many ways, you know, if, 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 if the Department of Children contact a hotel in Mallow or wherever and go, listen, will you take um, uh, refugees and asylum seekers for six months? It, it, you know, it's quite an attractive uh, proposition for that hotel because, you know, it's a commercial arrangement. They get a rate 
um, and you know it, it means at least they, they they know their income over over that period of time. But if lots and lots of hotels and guest houses are taken out of the equation, it, it has that knock-on impact, and um, that's going to really cause uh, problems. But on, on, on the macro perspective, you're, you're dead right that the, the energy costs alone for hotels and, and restaurants and tourist attractions are are, are, are are scarifying and remember a lot of hotels have leisure centers that you know that require pools to be heated and so on so they're seeing a doubling tripling of electricity and gas bills um, and it's, it's, a, it's a really challenging period okay all right listen Owen thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us on the program this morning thank you Patricia uh, good morning to you that is Owen O'Mara Walsh who is chief executive of the Irish Tourism Industry uh, Confederation you know the industry is just starting to pick back bu- up, up after Covid but and we are hearing just even anecdotally from people who are trying to visit a particular area and when they go a hotel that they normally might have stayed in in the past has, is suddenly now gone over to the Department of the Children and it, it's housing Ukrainian refugees and you know absolutely everybody accepts that these people are fleeing war and need to be uh, looked after but it's the knock on effect what is it going to do for our tourism sector here going forward and do we need to be concerned about that we certainly do 0818103103 John Paul continues to take your calls and there's a number of calls coming in following my chat with Councillor Jared Murphy about the NCTs and delays of people getting NCTs and people worried about being stopped by Angarda Siakona and Jared telling the story of one of his constituents with a week to go to the test got stopped and ended up having an 80 euro fine and three penalty points. Donalyn McCroom says why don't they change the system for the NCTs? Why don't they allow garages to take on contracts to do NCTs? We have mechanics there at all of our local garages that them carry out the work then most towns would have their own centre there wouldn't be a backlog the current system hasn't worked and there's always been delays but remember it's a contract a 10 year contract that's handed out to the company and it was 600 million euro of a contract so nothing can be done until the and the, the latest contract with Apples was from 2009 until 2029 so if they're going to change the system they're not going to be able to do it until at least 2029 because of that contract uh, but n- so many people Donald have pointed to your example because that's what they do it in the UK it's local garages have the contract for the MOT in their area which is the same as our NCT and I don't know why the Department of Transport I'm assuming I don't know why they never looked at that uh, system and why they came up with the system that they have in place instead Maria Newmarket said the NCT owners are bringing in mechanics from Spain because there's such a shortage of mechanics in this country but an overall of the system needs to happen it's clear from day one that there has been issues and Keats says in the NCT customer charter they say that they aim to ensure the average lead-in time for an appointment at an individual NCT centre is less than or equal to 15 days. You will be provided with a test free of charge where an appointment cannot be offered within a 28-day period unless any of the following applies. One, the test is overdue by more than seven days of the time of you contacting them. An appointment was offered seven days or more to the test being due and you have specific requests regarding suitable days, times and dates. You've been declined or rearranged two or more appointments. You failed to attend an appointment or you've previously accepted or requested an appointment outside of the 28-day period. They should be pulled up on this and everyone should be offered a free NCT. That is from uh, Keith. And Keane in Middleton says, the last time 
time that this happened because we have had b- backlogs in the past uh, Killian is right he said the last time it happened he remembers that the NCT centre in Little Island remained open 24-7 to clear the backlog at the time people were saying sure, who'd go for an NCT at 3am in the morning but Killian said people did because people didn't want to be driving around without uh, an up-to-date NCT many people would work shift uh, work so it would suit them to go in the middle of the night to clear the backlog in the past have they considered the centres opening 24-7 now we could put that suggestion to the NC the powers that be at the NCT but I imagine Killian what they would come back and say the difference this time is firstly it's unprecedented the number of people waiting for an NCT 360,000 the last time we had backlogs I think it was around 150,000 to 200,000 so we're way off uh, what the previous backlog record was but the reason that they're having obviously COVID is one reason why there's a backlog but the second reason is they can't get mechanics to work and if they can't get mechanics to work during the day they're high they're very unlikely to get mechanics who will be willing to work uh, overnight so I'm assuming that's the reason that they're not opting for 24-7 You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed And thank you to Gina who uh, sent in a lovely text in the last hour to say the 15th of the 11th, 22, which is, of course, today's date. Uh, Good morning, Patricia. Hope you're doing okay. Just want to wish you and all of the other radio presenters at C103 a very happy 32nd birthday and many more to come. Love listening to the show every morning. Thank you for that, Gina. And Gina's right. It was 32 years ago uh, today. County Sound, as it was called, officially came on air. And I had the honour on this day 32 years ago of being the first voice. And John Paul pulls this out, <laughs> drags this out of the archives every single year. And this was me 32 years ago, I think, sounding very different to how I sound today. County Sound. My name is Patricia Messenger and I'll be with you here on County Sound each weekday from 10 in the morning to 2pm with a magazine type programme. <laughs> where, where did that person go? <laughs> uh, anyway, thank you, Gina. Yes, our, our 32nd birthday is uh, today. OK, some of your calls coming in on different topics on the NCT and getting an NCT. Thank you to Olive from Donnerwell to say hi, Patricia. Uh, listening to your conversation with interest about the NCT. I rang Dublin, the Dublin office of NCT last Friday to book my NCT. 15 minutes later, I had a phone call back and a day and a time to go along to get my car tested for Charleville and it's in two weeks time. So for people who are really frantic about getting an NCT test and don't like the idea of driving around with a cert out of date, it certainly is worth ringing that Dublin number. And we've had a number of people who have did exactly what Olive did. And and also, for, and I'm assuming with Olive in, in Donnerill, Charleville would be her nearest test centre because you don't want to ring the test centre and they'll say, I get you a test date in Mayo next week or in Dublin next week. You want to get the test centre that you like to go to or, the, or that you know uh, where it is. The NCT Dublin office is 01413599201413599 01413599 if you want to give that a call if you really are frantically trying to get a test for your car. And then a text in from a listener saying, Hi Patricia, I was driving last night on the Kale Bridge Road that's in Mill Street. There's a new road layout. I have to say it's very narrow at the Mallow site. And then I was in the town this morning and there's roadworks in the town. It really is a joke. People need to be careful when driving in the Mill Street uh, area. 0818 103 103. And a couple of people wondering when the bonus payments are out. 
for these were the additional bonus payments that were announced in the budget last month. Well, actually, today, the Social Protection Minister, Heather Humphreys, is actually briefing the Cabinet on the payment dates. dates. There's four lump sum cost of living measures that were announced as part of the budget that are about to be paid out. For example, from tomorrow, 325 million euro will be paid out to 865,000 older people, people with disabilities, people who are entitled to low income working families payments. And obviously it's all been done to assist with the cost of living. Now, how much has been given? Who's getting what? Uh, Lump sum fuel payment. So anyone who gets the fuel allowance at the moment, a 400 euro fuel allowance lump sum payment that's been paid. There's about 30. 370,000 households who receive that and they'll be getting it any time between today and this Friday. People who are entitled to the living alone allowance, extra €200 one-off payment to people who get the living alone allowance that's paid whenever they pick up or get their payments this week. They reckon 234,000 people are entitled to the living alone allowance that gets paid out over the next three days. Then there is a €500 one-off bonus payment. That is what's been called the Disability Support Grant. It goes to 216,000 people. Anyone who currently receives a disability allowance, anyone who's on a blind pension or anyone who's on an invalidity pension, they will be paid that extra €500 and you'll pick it up if you go to the post office. You'll pick it up when you normally pick up your weekly payment or if it's paid into the bank, whatever day it's paid into the bank, you will notice there's an extra €500 gone in this week. And there's also an extra €500 lump sum payment to be paid out on the working family payment. And these are people who are at work and they are what we class uh, the working poor. Uh, there's 44,000 families and the working pa- fam- the working family payment is generally paid out on a Thursday. So this Thursday, those families will get an extra 500 euro. And reading through the papers today and actually looking at some press releases that came in to me here at work this morning, the those amounts, those one off payments couldn't come at a better time because struggling families are seeking financial help in record numbers to the Society of St. Vincent de Paul charity, which gives financial support to hard pressed families. And they've been doing it for so, so many years. They now say they are receiving 800 requests for help every single day day and obviously they know why the reason they're getting it now cost of living and also as we approach Christmas so St Vincent de Paul have just launched their annual appeal and their national president Rose McGowan said that despite the additional cost of living support payments being made by the government she says there are many people who are struggling just to meet basic family expenses now last year they had a record breaking number of pleas 191,000 came to them for some kind of cash support and the charity fear that the number is going to be even higher this year the next two months are the busiest obviously of the year for VDP with 168,000 requests already received that was up to the end of October and they say when they compare that to 
2021. It's a 19% increase year on year. The cost of living measures such as the one-off fuel allowance that I announced is going to be paid out this week or the double social welfare or the double child benefit that was given and the extra that's been given to the state pensioners. She said it will help low income households during what would be what will be a very difficult winter but she, Vince Paul are also pointing out that these measures are only temporary so they're very worried that many of the families will continue to struggle into uh, next year so uh, there's a huge huge appeal going out on behalf of the Society of St Vincent de Paul and if you have any extra to spare please uh, consider them and of course there's so many wonderful local conferences who do work locally and look after local people in your area and then talking of the Society of St Vincent de Paul we've put out our appeal to any charity or any community group or volunteer group if you produce a calendar every year and you're doing it as a kind of a fundraiser for your group for your organization or maybe for a local charity to get us in a copy of your calendar so that we can give it a mention and let listeners know in your area that your calendar is on sale and we put that appeal out a couple of weeks ago well a beautiful calendar arrived today and it's on behalf of the Bandon Art Group and the proceeds from the sale of their calendar, would you believe, goes to the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. Now, it's the Bandon Art Group. So what do you think is in the calendar? Yes, the most gorgeous paintings done by members of the Bandon Art Group. And I was flicking through it this morning when the calendar arrived and they are just absolutely stunning each and every one of them and there's a gorgeous one that caught my eye it is the blacksmith it's a pen and ink drawing by Jack Cornhouse and of course anyone in Bandon will know the bronze statue of Billy the blacksmith O'Connell and his anvil in uh, in a Shannon and it's uh, um, a pen and ink drawing based on that it's just is just beautiful but it, just gorgeous really beautiful beautiful paintings and can I say what a talented bunch of artists they have as part of the Bandon Art Group so their calendar is now on sale for 2023 and what I love about it and I don't think I've seen it in any of the calendars we've done on previous years they also have an extra page in the calendar and it's for January uh, 2024 and I always find that when you come to December and you're particularly if you're trying to write like I use my calendar at home you know to write in events that are happening or appointments that have to be made and of course when you come to December when you want to put something in if you don't have your 2023 calendar uh, or your next year's calendar handy Oh God, I have to put a postie up to remind me to put that appointment in for January. So well done for including January of 2024. So it's a 13-month, actually it's a 14-month calendar because I've just realised they've got December of 2022 in it as well. And it's each different page then that you turn over at the calendar has a different painting by one of the very talented artists who make up the Bandon Art Group. And the calendar is on sale locally in the Bandon area with the proceeds going to the local society of St Vincent uh, de Paul and you can check it out on their Facebook page uh, which facebook.com forward slash Bandon Art uh, Group so congratulations to everybody involved 
in Bandon Art Group and the calendar is priced at 10 uh, euro and I do know it's available at Bandon Books Plus so I don't know if it's also available locally but it's certainly available in Bandon Books well done and uh, congratulations it's a super and really high quality calendar as well and let me remind anyone else if you are involved with producing a calendar for 2023 get it in please so that I can let listeners know that your calendar is on sale because it's a little bit like the buying of the Christmas cards when you buy Christmas cards try where possible to buy charity uh, Christmas uh, cards and I also feel the same with calendars we all like to have a calendar in the house try and support a good cause or a local cause in your area 0818 103 103 John Paul's taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Dano Supervalue in Mallow they're recruiting full and part time staff for checkouts for the shop floor and for their deli departments CVs, please, are your email to 344-mallow-hr at supervalue.ie. General operatives are needed to join a traffic management team that's in the North Cork area. You can call 083-020-8471. Qualified mechanic is wanted to work in the Kinsale area. Emails, please, to brennanmotorskinsale at gmail.com. And the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow currently have openings for full and part-time bar staff. CVs, please, to info at hibernianhotelmallow.com. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. We had a query in during the week from somebody who was asking us if we could get on to the Central Statistics Office because somebody called to their door asking her to hold on to receipts and they said they would call back and nobody called back and the listener actually got back onto us and said it's about six weeks ago. So I was reckoning that that was the household budget survey that is undertaken by the CSO. So the CSO got back to us but they tell us it's undertaken over a 14 day period. What happens is Central Statistics Officer, uh, Central Statistics Office interviewers call to a household and they have full ID and all of that. Um, they conduct an interview. They then give out diaries to each member of the household asking that person to update his or her spend over the next two week period. You're asked to keep all the receipts if possible and then the interviewers call back to the house they say on day three to check on how the diary completion is going then there's a phone call on day eight or nine to make sure everything is going according to plan and then after the 14 days the diaries are collected now certainly the listener who contacted us that didn't seem to be in what happened in her case so I'm, I'm a bit unsure as to who actually called to your house on that day but certainly that's how the Central Statistics Office operate their household budget survey and that's the survey then we get to hear about and why it's so important if a CSO official arrives at your door to, and you have the time to take part in those services to please do because they are really really uh, important so um, if the listener can has heard anything else back from the person who called to their house uh, please let us know 0818103103 now yesterday's Echo newspaper had a photo of former Lord Mayor Mick Finn in a wheelchair returning home after recent surgery the hospital stay has prompted Councillor Mick Finn to pay tribute to the staff at CUH and he's more, he has warned against the tide of negativity aimed at our health service and I'm delighted to say Councillor 
Uh, Mick Finn uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Mick. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. Now, I suppose, firstly, we need to ask you what happened to you and how you're doing now. Okay, well, I'd love to say that it was a skiing accident or that it was in a motorbike accident, but unfortunately, it was a fairly innocuous thing. I just fell off a step getting into the back of a car um, and ruptured both my quad tendons and my knees, uh, which the surgeon said, yeah, the surgeon said it was very unusual, actually. Um, he said, you know, it was consistent with kind of, you know, a skiing accident or if somebody was parachuting and the parachute didn't open. But uh, mine was literally a three or four inch step that I fell off um, and just did severe damage. You, you, know, just, uh, you obviously just landed very heavily on your knees. Yeah, my, oh. my, my, my left knee went backwards, my right knee went forwards and it kind of did a side split. And both knees just ruptured. I just couldn't take the whatever way it, it happened. It, it could happen a hundred times and it'd be fine. Um, but it was just I was just kind of unlucky, really. Did you know pretty quickly that you were in trouble? I did. Um, yeah, I couldn't. Like I had no great pain, but I couldn't actually stand up, and I couldn't. The bottom part of my leg was almost disconnected from the top part, and there was a big gap over the over the the, the both of the knees. So I knew straight away it happened on a Thursday evening. Um, I went. I managed to get home. And then called the ambulance on a Friday morning, and it all kind of kicked off there. Then, so um, I okay. did it pretty much straight away. And there has been an amount of negative comment commentary. Can I say, especially on social media, about um, our hospitals? And I accept that when people don't get good service, you know, they feel that they have to rant, and it can, and it does happen. But in your experience, you say the opposite is true, and we need to call it out when it is good. Yeah, and I suppose, look, I know full well uh, about the negativity. I know about all the issues in terms of, you know, the scoliosis waiting lists, the CAMS waiting lists. Um, you know, I know about all that as well, and I have been, I have been very vocal on that as a local councillor. But I suppose, you know, my experience, and in particular of the people who are behind the walls of the hospital, um, you know, the, the, like as I said, from the ambulance drivers to the porters to the initial assessment unit to the doctors to the nurses to the surgeons to the physiotherapists, they have all been exceptional is the word I'll use. And, I, you know, it's funny, I got a lot of, I expected actually to get a, bit, a good bit of negativity following the Echoes um, piece yesterday. But actually, a lot of people have contacted me via email, via phone, people that I don't know and said, look, that's the same experience for us but it's never actually told. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I just felt that it was important given, you know, I saw it firsthand basically the worst in particular the the work that the nurses in particular do under immense pressure. Um, and I just felt, look, you know, they need they need an appreciation and they, they, they need to be kind of said, look, you're doing a fantastic job. A lot of them are, you know, deciding to go overseas to Canada, to New Zealand, to Australia. Uh, and the ones who are staying here, I think, just need to be recognised when, 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 you know, when but, a good job is done. But because there has been, you know, a wave of negativity, were you nervous getting into the back of the ambulance thinking, oh, well, my God, what am I heading into? I actually was because it was my first time ever in hospital. I think I, I'm, I'm luckily enough. I am, you know, I've been healthy all my life. I've, I've never been in hospital before, um, you know. And again, as you said, having read all that stuff and having seen it in the media, I was saying, "What's going to happen here? I'm going to be waiting days and days." You know, the A and E is going to be jam packed, um, and I was nervous. I have to say, um, but I, I suppose there was an element of fortune which I reflected in the article is that when I got to the hospital. Um, the ambulance driver said it, it was it was the quietest it had been for six months. Okay, you so know, you were lucky. You, I was lucky yeah, in that okay. instance, certainly. You know, I, might, I might have been unlucky in the fall, but I was certainly lucky on the day that I went to the hospital. It was a Friday morning about 11 o'clock. 
um, there was, I think there was one ambulance ahead of us in the queue, and they, they were saying to me that they could often be six, seven, eight. Um, you know, so I was def- there was definitely an element of luck, uh, you know, in, in the whole episode. But um, we also need to point out before somebody texts in or, or phones in, you didn't, you don't know anyone at the hospital. You didn't get any sort of preferential treatment. Absolutely not. I knew, I knew nobody at all um, in the in the hall. I actually did end up knowing one of the nurses who came in on one of the nights that I left, but I didn't ask for any special treatment. You know, people didn't know. You know, you know, you mentioned me there as a former Lord Mayor, which you know some people may say, Ash, that's the reason I was looked after. Well, people didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and actually, I have already said it today since this article on the Echo. Uh, one, one of the nursing staff. Uh, texted me and said that she hadn't realised that. So I actually, and but what, what was key actually to me was that there was another four people in the, in the same ward and they actually told the same story. You know, that their experience had been very positive of their, you know, access to CUH and their, their nursing care and their care while there. So I suppose you know, it wasn't unique to me at, on that particular occasion. Um, and it certainly wasn't the case that they pulled strings or rang somebody up and said, can I get a bed? That wasn't the way it happened. Okay, so you, so you ended up getting admitted and had to have surgery? Yes, I was admitted on the Friday um, and I had surgery on the Saturday at lunchtime. I think they done about seven or eight surgeries um, from our ward on that morning in a bit to kind of clear a backlog. And I was the last one done around lunchtime on the Saturday um, after the, the accident that happened on a Thursday evening. And I was in on Sunday and then released on Monday. Uh, and again, proving that they do work on Saturdays when people say they all head home and nothing... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Done on the weekend. Yeah, no, I don't know if that's a regular kind of practice. How common, yeah. Team, but it certainly yeah. was that weekend, and I, I, I think I heard heard them saying um, that they were doing them in a bit to kind of clear some of the backlog that had had been built up. Okay, stay there because George in Dunmanway has a similar experience. Good morning, George. Good morning, yes, sir. And you've been uh, listening to Mick there. Have you, uh, you, you would say the very, you, you've been in CUH uh, a number of times That's recently, correct, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully you're doing okay. You yeah. feel, uh, what did you think about the care? I think I couldn't, couldn't have been better, as honest. Uh, I mean, if you ask those, no one, they're absolutely brilliant. Did you go in through A&E? It is, yeah, yeah. And uh, I couldn't be looked after, but better, let's be honest. 
And were you in A&E, George, on any of the days when it was very busy? Yes, indeed it was, yeah, pretty busy. But to, to my amazement, it was so good. And did you have to wait long? Not very long indeed, I was not. And staff working very hard? Oh, very flat out, completely running. And everyone nicer than the other. Okay, so you, it's, it's, and when you hear people give out about the hospital, does I, that... I get, I, I do get angry over it. Do you? It upsets They're doing the very best they can. Yeah, yeah. Under, under severe pressure. Yeah, okay. Thanks for that, George. And, 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 I, and I do think that's the message. It's, it's for the staff that are working there. I always feel for the staff when there is a level of criticism because everybody takes it, takes it personally and, and, and mm. takes it on board. So, and, and well, I read your article with great interest in The Echo yesterday. You experienced one rather disruptive patient who was really making everybody's life miserable. Yeah, and just before I go on to that, I mean, the A&E was actually still very busy when I got in there. Um, it was with the access part of it was quick. Like, I still had to wait maybe, you know, three or four hours to see a doctor later on, which, you know, again, was reasonable time. But it was actually extremely busy. There was lots of different people, lots of young children with coughs and colds. There was a couple of foreign people, you know, there was people, you know, that they had actually difficulty explaining what was wrong with them. So it was actually a very busy uh, inside, with it, you know, just beyond the access point to the A&E. So they were under severe pressure even then. Um, but yeah, on one particular night, um, I think it was on the Saturday evening, after all the surgeries, we had all, all, everybody in the ward, all five patients had had surgery that morning. Um, and there was a, a late person, a person came in late um, and had, um, something had happened, you know, I think he had been in an assault, but um, was very disruptive after waking up. He had been obviously given a sedative or something and woke up at maybe about one o'clock and was shouting and roaring all night, giving out to the nurses, the doctors, the security staff had to come up. There was a guard that had to come up. Um, and it was just very disruptive, you know, and it was actually awful for the staff. Whatever about us, you know, not being able to sleep, we probably wouldn't have had anyway uh, following the surgery. But, you know, the, the, the pressure that it put on the staff, and it just took, it, it took up everybody's interest for the guts of three hours between one o'clock and maybe three o'clock. He discharged, discharged himself the following morning, um, you know, having had a, a gaping wound and was advised not to. Um, but just left up and left and said he knew what he was right for him and walked out. But I suppose the point is the nurses had to deal with it. There was a doctor had to come up and deal with it. And security guard. And like it was, I suppose, again, it was just a snapshot of some of the things that they have to deal with um, up there. Yeah, and you're thinking, you know, they're, they're busy enough as it is without the waste of time in dealing with somebody like that as well as must be exactly. really and, frustrating. And, and, and I'm sure that happens. Energy. I'm yeah. sure that happens quite a lot. It does. And I mean, I heard of people, you know, in the Mercy Hospital at the weekend, you know, where similar things happen. I mean, they're under savage pressure in there as well, being city centre based. And again, that's a regular occurrence there also. So, I mean, you know, whatever about the time, it's the energy that saps out of the staff who probably, you know, finish up a couple of hours later, go home, have a rest up, and then they're back in again that evening. I remember one of the, the staff kind of said, you know, is that person gone? And kind of breathed a sigh of relief because, you know, they, as you said, they have enough to be dealing with. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So from start to finish, you reckon your care was outstanding? It was outstanding, yeah, and I'm currently getting physio at the moment again, um, which which has been excellent. Um, you know, I just like as I said, I, and I've heard you know anecdotally over the years, I've, I've certainly heard bad stories, and they've represented people to the HSE who've had difficult experiences, particularly in the adult mental health in the in the, the child and adolescent mental health system who can't <clears throat> access it. But um, you know, I I have heard, and you probably have heard that you know it's a good system once you get into it. Uh, and it, that was certainly my experience, you know, from as I said, from start to finish, the empathy, the level of care, the professionalism, the interest in the patients uh, was, was just top drawer. As I said, that was as a public patient, it wasn't as a private patient. Um, and I'm sure, 
you know, there are, I, I said, there, I know there now are plenty of others because they've been coming out of the woodwork almost saying, you know, our experience. And mm. I'm not saying that it's perfect, not by a long shot. Um, and I think that's to do with maybe senior management in HSE that needs to look at, they need to look at, at, at what, what's going well, which is, I think, the level of care and the staff that they have. But some of the management structures that are clogging up a lot of these um, services, you know, when you think that there are um, almost, you know, 900,000 people on waiting lists in the country, there's something wrong somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And our greatest asset in the health service are our wonderful staff. They, they really are and they so have to be looked after. Uh, and so you're doing OK. Are you are you walking and everything now? And I'm, Yeah, I'm, I'm back driving maybe about Great. a week. That happened about seven or eight weeks ago. I'm okay. back driving about a week. Um, I'm, I was back to work the following week, kind of online, albeit remotely and working from home. Because uh, as I said, my hands weren't broken and my brain was still functioning <laughs> somewhat. Um, so, but it's it's been slow progress. You know, it's difficult still walking and sitting down and standing, going up steps. It's it's been difficult. So the physio has been tough, um, and that will keep going for another month or two. I think. So, well, well um, that's his his to a full uh, recovery and look after yourself, particularly getting in and out of cars and up and down steps. We don't <laughs> exactly. need you falling again, and, Mick. And skiing, of course. Skiing, oh yeah, oh, the, the ski. Skiing. Pity now the skiing is gone. All right, listen, <laughs> listen, Mick. Pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that. Thanks. For, thanks and thanks Thank uh, for joining us. Former Lord Mayor, uh, Councillor Mick uh, Finn, on his experience of excellent care at uh, COH. And thanks to George, who also joined us from uh, Dumamway, 0818103103. And a shout out to one of our listeners, Maura, who's just sent in a lovely WhatsApp to say, relaxing here in Dubai while visiting my daughter and listening to your programme. It's great to be able to tune in from afar. Uh, keep up the good work. Uh, regards, Maura. Oh, Maura, you lucky thing. You're not missing anything weather-wise over here so enjoy Dubai and yeah it is always great you can bring C103 with you no matter where you travel in the world Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie you're listening to Cork today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed Time for our monthly insurance slot with Paul Kavanagh of McCarthy Insurance Group joining me. Good morning to you, Paul. Oh, he's gone. He was there a moment ago and he's just disappeared. OK, well, we will get John back on or get Paul back on the line. And actually, I can just see a question coming in with regard to NCTs. Uh, and it's an interesting one on if somebody failed an NCT test. So I'll put that question uh, to Paul. So while we're waiting for Paul to come in, uh, come on. John, one of our listeners says, Patricia, the staff at CUH are wonderful, but they are under enormous pressure. The hospital is overwhelmed and staff are leaving because of understaffing and stress, particularly in the A&E department, uh, says uh, John. Yeah, and we have a big, big worry about the amount of young people that young nurses and doctors who literally are going and they're going to places like Australia who are recruiting hard to get Irish medical staff, can I say, because our staff are so highly trained and they're much so- sought after around the world. So it's it's certainly a problem going forward that we need to uh, sort out. Paul Kavanagh, uh, fingers crossed you'll be on the end of this phone line from McCarthy Insurance Group. Good morning, Paul. Uh, good morning. Sorry, and no, what happened there? Okay, now we were talking about NCTs on the programme earlier on and people having problems getting NCT, but that prompted James in Cloyne uh, when he knew you were joining us on the programme to say um, if a car fails an NCT test and you're handed the keys back and you're told what's wrong with the car uh, and then you drive off, there's a sticker sometimes placed on the car saying that the car isn't safe to drive. But obviously you've got to get it from the NCT centre to get it to the garage to sort out the problem with it. John, uh, James is wondering... 
does that cause problems for your insurance if God forbid something happened on the way home while you were going to the garage to get it sorted? Well, it would cause problems for your insurance if I have not come across it, Patricia, to be honest with you. Okay. I've come across small items happening like the, um, the wipers, lights and bits and pieces like that. So they would be no problem. You're given time to go and get them done. However, if it's a serious problem like ball tyres or the handbrake not working or the brakes malfunctioning, then I'd say you have a problem because you have a duty of care under every insurance policy, under the Road Traffic Act, to make sure that your car is safe on the road. You shouldn't, so be, wa- I, I you shouldn't be waiting for your NCT to tell you if there's something wrong with your car. Well, that's number one. And I know a number of people do that, but really, if your handbrake is not working or your tyres are not are, are bald, sorry, uh, there is no justification and the insurers would take a very hard line on that. Okay, now, so as be- I pointed out to John Paul, there's a thing called the Road Traffic Act that we all... Uh, abide by under they're the rules that we abide by and and they say that your vehicle should be in a roadworthy condition now if anything if there was an accident and as to give some relief here uh the motor insurance bureau if the insurance company decided that they weren't paying for the accident the damage done or the injuries caused then the motor insurance bureau would step in but um, you, the, what the what your own insurer would probably do is not cover the car itself or you. So uh, the main advice here is to make sure that if you've got a defective car, do not take it there in the first place. Mm. It's just in, in case you ended up, as, as James said, in an accident on the way home. OK, and then if, God forbid, you did end up in an accident, we want to talk uh, today a little bit about um, an excess on a claim, be that for car insurance or indeed be it for house insurance. Can you just explain what that or uh, what it means? Yeah, absolutely, Patricia. And it seems to be the word that, uh, you know, I, I suppose the, the government have said to the insurance companies, we need we need more plain English. So... We're, we're trying to explain these things to people. So the excess is the amount that you have to pay, the amount that you are responsible for in a claim. So if you have an excess of €300 Euros on your car policy, which is fairly standard and the same on a house policy, then you're responsible for that amount yourself. So if the claim for damage to your car was 5000 then they would deduct the €300 Euros and you'd get 4700 The same in a household claim. If your claim was for 5000 and you had a 300 excess, then you would get 4700 Now, where I am raising this as a major issue is I have come across excesses as high as €2,000. Because uh, if, if the higher the excess, the idea is the lower the premium, is it? Correct. Now you have it. And people are being duped into this. Uh, I mean, it's something that we won't do. In McCarthy's, absolutely, and we're advising people beyond the, beyond the guard. I looked at a policy yesterday where the, the client said to me, oh, I can get this premium cheaper. And when we looked into the cover he was being afforded by his new insurer and his excess, I said to him, you're, you're out. the reason you're out in money here is because you're taking a high excess, you've no protected bonus, and you can't drive anyone else's car. So you've got to compare like with like, and... It's a, it's a word of caution, and it's the same in household policies uh, to, to make sure that you, if, if you are taking a higher excess, then that you know that you're taking it and that you know what will happen in the event of a claim. Because we all believe nothing's going to happen, and great, and we're all fingers crossed that nothing does happen, 
But if it does happen... It's when things go wrong. A, it's when things go wrong. OK, and talk us through, if God forbid you have that dreaded car accident, what people are entitled to. Well, the, the first thing, like, what that dreadful accident down in, in Yall uh, uh, in the early hours of yesterday, Sunday night, yesterday morning, I mean, God forbid, if anything happens, you have to try and make sure that the cars are safe, that you're not causing a major problem on the road. So you need to be seen. So there is no law in this country that says that you have to have a triangle like you'd have to have uh, a safety triangle in the boot of your car in most European countries. And I think the government needs to step in here uh, and bring about some more safety measures. Uh, we, we, I think we've seen recently people driving in the hard shoulder and things like that. That's crazy because the hard shoulder is where you need to get the car into if there's been an accident. So the first thing that you do if in the event of an accident, I always say to people, well, first of all, is there someone injured? If there's someone injured, you ring 999 immediately, no matter what. So that's the ambulance, the, the fire crew and the guard, you need to be there. If there's somebody injured, they'll need to get that person out of the car and you need to explain what's, what happened and what's wrong. The second thing is, are you causing a major incident out on the road? Right? And if, and if it is, I, my first advice, you take photographs of, of, of all the cars and their positions, so that at least uh, something can be done when the guardy arrive, that they're not you know, looking at a scene where the cars have been moved and they don't know what's after happening. So the, they're, they're the most important things. If someone is injured, uh, talk to the other people and just see what they feel about the accident. And most importantly, if there's witnesses or CCTV in the area, then you need to know that yourself. So... Don't go away from the scene of the accident not knowing exactly where you were, what happened, and who was there. Okay, and you, um, young drivers who modify their cars, uh, Paul, uh, yeah. we've had a couple of questions in about this, particularly from the parents of young boys and girls do it, uh, do it as well, but worried about the, their insurance if the car has been modified. Now you're you're hearing stories about this. I'm hearing I'm hearing stories about this. I, I'm actually trying to help and assist a person in Waterford at the moment who's in serious trouble. With an, she was insured for her son was insured with an insurance company directly, very reputable insurance company, and he put uh, one of these exhausts on his car. He wrote off his car uh, himself. Thankfully, there was no one else involved, so there's no other claim. But the insurance company, let alone, wouldn't pay his claim they actually cancelled his policy. So he basically had no insurance. And now he's in a very serious situation that it will be very difficult for that young lad to get insurance again because that will have to be declared has an insurance company ever cancelled your policy. And and if the, the, a young person or any person decides to modify the car, can you do it and then notify the insurance company and then you'll be covered? Well, I think that's that, that's where... That's the only advice that I can give. That the, First of all, if, if it's enhancing the, 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 the vehicle, if it's enhancing the speed or the performance of the vehicle, then it's an absolute no-no. I'm telling, I'm telling listeners that now for a fact. That's a no-no. If it's a, and, and we hear them and we know of them. They're putting chips into cars, etc. They're an absolute no-no. So parents, you need to talk to your son or yeah. daughter in okay. relation to that. If it's just... Um, I know they blank out, the, they black out the back windows and things like that. And the the guardie take a dim view of that and are pulling cars on that and telling people, 
you know, to get that fixed, and, and they're, they're a no-no as well. Yeah, but, they, uh, they're, but, they're, but the, the big one is, it's your insurance. You don't want to be driving around, and, and your insurance is, is not valid. Well, number one, not valid. Number two, the consequences for the future. Yeah. The yeah. future That's of that point. person. That's a good point. And it's only when, God forbid, something happens, something goes wrong that they find out. OK, uh, we're always never have enough time for you, Paul. Now, I know uh, we are going to talk about it and we'll do it next month, uh, particularly in the lead up to Christmas. Christmas. Uh, adv- advice around uh, people buying scramblers and e-scooters. You need to yes. be very, very careful. We'll do that next month. Paul, as always, pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that. Thank you, Patricia. And thanks for joining us. That's Paul Bye-bye. McCarthy from McCar- Paul Kavanagh from McCarthy Insurance Group. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some people picking up on some of the issues we've been discussing on the programme this morning. NCTs and what happens if you go to an NCT centre and your car fails and somebody was worried, uh, James was worried about the insurance implications if God forbid on the way home from the NCT centre having failed the test uh, because of some mechanical defect if you get involved in an accident. And Paul Kavanagh said while he hasn't heard of it happening it is possible that the insurance company would say you're driving a defective car and it's part of your insurance policy that your car must be rolled worthy. A listener goes further and is obviously somebody in the know. If a vehicle has failed the test because of a dangerous defect that poses a direct or immediate risk to road safety, the NCT will actually put a failed dangerous sticker on the car. It is illegal to drive a vehicle with a failed with a dangerous defect, end off. No questions asked, nothing to do with your insurance. It is illegal to actually drive it. So I'm assuming if that happens and you're at the NCT centre, then you need to contact your garage to come and collect your car to take your car away in order to fix whatever was the defect that was found. Thank you. There's no name on that, but thank you to that, whoever sent in that uh, text to 0862 103 103. And we've been talking about Cork University Hospital and former Lord Mayor Councillor McFinn. One of those coming out saying, let's call out when you get good, good care at uh, CUH or indeed at any other hospital. We're always good to moan when things go wrong but it's important that when we get good service and good care that we call that out as well. Well that's prompted another listener to contact us to say my husband had to frequent the CUH hospital a few months ago. His leg was in trouble. He'd had his left leg amputated in 2016. Now that was at the Mercy Hospital. The surgeon in CUH done everything that was possible to save his right leg but unfortunately it also had to be removed. From the surgeons to the vascular nurse to the nurses on the wards they were all excellent he had it removed in August of this year he came home after about two and a half weeks but unfortunately got an infection in the stump so he was back in for six weeks came home in the care of the nurses in the dressing clinics at CUH and the orthopaedic hospital one and all was so kind so respectful thanks to all God bless well done well done and that's somebody else again calling out when the care and attention was good and we're only too glad to give that a mention thank you for that <laughs> this one then came in well, it's of, on health but it's to do with the dental health this time Maura in Mallow says Patricia could you please find out can a patient who has had nitrous oxide for sedation at the dentist will they be able to drive home after the appointment and that's from Maura in Mallow now I don't know if it's Maura herself is going to the dentist and is getting sedation with nitrous oxide or if it's a family member so I did a quick Google search 
And the five top things you need to know if you end up taking nitrous oxide. First, because I was thinking nitrous oxide, that's laughing gas. And it is. It's, it is laughing uh, gas. And it's actually one of the oldest sedations. It's been used for uh, centuries. And it's still, and I didn't know this, it's still one of the most commonly used anaesthetics. And dentists in particular love to use it for a number of reasons. Firstly, because of the, the depth of the sedation that can be given and it can be increased. It also works very rapidly in two to three minutes um, and it's great for younger pa- patients uh, patients with a disability or, or really anyone who's got dental anxiety and I know there'll be a lot of people listening to the programme saying ah oh, hands up I suffer with dental anxiety because it can calm them it gives the numbing effects that's needed by the dentist and there are no needles repli- re- required so nitrous oxide is very safe it doesn't damage any of your internal organs it's the in fact the only real danger from using nitrous oxide when administered by professional obviously in this case uh, the dentist are the disorientating effects meaning you could trip or fall if you stand up too quick quickly but thankfully even if you were to get those effects it only lasts for about three to five minutes after the mask has been removed so I'm assuming if you're in a dental chair your mask the mask is put on you get the nitrous oxide you get the sedation effect and then the dentist does what the dentist has to do and then the mask can be uh, removed afterwards and obviously they leave you in the chair until they know that you are fully uh, recovered. You uh, will not experience any hangover effects from the nitrous oxide and you will be able to safely drive yourself home after the procedure. There you go. And I didn't re- and obviously it's been used by a local uh, dentist here because Maura has uh, contacted us. So no, Maura, you are if it's for yourself, you are very safe to drive afterwards. And thank Thank you to Anne in Lep, wishing us a happy 32nd birthday here on C103. Thank you for that. Now, I also got in a text with a poster from a teenage disco from a listener. And it's a teenage disco. I don't know if I can see the date is on it or not. It's on. Anyway, it's a teenage disco, um, drug and alcohol free, obviously. It's on from 8 to 11. Uh, it's 18 euro to get in. 13th of November, it's on. Um, is it 18 euro to go to a teenage disco? Goodness me. Anyway, it's uh, so it's for the teenage disco. What are we talking? 13, 14, 15 euros. But it's a pyjama party teenage disco. And the listener who's contacted us and sent us on the poster about this disco for young people, for teenagers. She said, I can't get over how degrading to young girls this will be to have a pyjama party for a teenage disco. It's very obvious what young girls will wear to this disco. As parents, we try our hardest to keep our sons and daughters safe. I find this totally disgusting. And how do other parents of teenage children feel? Is, is now, see, I don't have a teenage son or daughter at the moment, so I don't know. Is it very common to have a pyjama party for teenagers. And myself and John Paul were just talking about it when the WhatsApp came in and John Paul was making the point that because I was saying, what would you wear to a pyjama party? And surely teenage boys and girls want to get all dressed up in their really nice clothes as we all used to do going to a disco. But going, would, would you wear pyjamas? And John Paul is making the point that the, the lovely, warm, snuggly pyjamas that you get in the fleecy ones that you get inside in pennies or duns that they won't be wearing those to the teenage disco John Paul uh, reckons and probably not so anyway we'll give it out there to see has your son or daughter ever attended a pyjama party teenage disco if so what did they actually wear and would you be agreeing with this particular caller 
our texter who feels it's rather degrading, particularly for the young girls who will be attending the disco. Your thoughts uh, welcomed on that, please, to 0818103103. John Paul's taking your calls or you can text our uh, WhatsApp. And just for soccer fans to let you know that the Cabinet today will be signing or asked to sign off on a bid for Ireland to be a joint joint host for the European Football Championships. Now we'll have a bit of a wait if we get it. It's not going to happen until 2028 but even though with the way the years are flying I can't believe I'm sitting here 32 years later doing the same programme. It'll be 2028 before we know it. The proposal has been submitted by Ministers Catherine Martin and Jack Chambers and of course it is a joint bid. It involves the football associations of us here in Ireland, England, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland and it's a bid for us all to co-host Euro 2028. If we are successful, what Ireland's end would be, it would be the Aviva Stadium and Croke Park. They would potentially then share seven games. And of course, to have the Euros in this country, they reckon up to 120,000 fans would be expected to travel to Ireland for the tournament for those seven games. That preliminary bid has got to be submitted to UEFA by tomorrow and then they go for a more detailed finalised plan by next April and then the decision won't be made until September of next year. Now the bid so far is believed to have a very strong chance of success because Turkey is the only other rival to host uh, football's second biggest tournament. There is no hosting fee, by the way, but what will be expected of the nation? We'd obviously be expected to pay for uh, upgrade to any venues, but I take it our venues are OK. The Aviva Stadium and, and Croke Crow Park will be fine. They won't need to have a- anything, any extra upgrades to be done uh, to it. We obviously will have to cover the cost of policing. And then at all of these Euro competitions or at the World Cup, there's always fan zones. We would have to put up fan zones as well. But the spin-off to the economy, particularly the Dublin economy, would be huge. And it would be a massive bonus, I imagine, for any soccer fans listening. 0818103103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. Tickets for Shambhalimore Christmas Light Raffle are available online. They're at idonate.ie. You can also pick them up in Shambhalimore from local committee members. Uh, the proceeds uh, are the, the tickets are five euro, are three for ten, with proceeds going towards the purchase of Christmas lights for Shambhali Moor. Prizes include a Circle K fuel voucher, 40 kg bags of coal and firewood. And a reminder also that bingo con- continues every Tuesday night, including tonight in Shambhali Moor Community Hall on tonight at 8. And this week's jackpot is uh, €3,150. And best of luck to Mitchellstown author Bill Power. Bill is delivering two lectures this week, focusing on the Civil War. Tonight he's going to be in the Mallow Social Services Centre on the New Road with an 8 o'clock start. And tomorrow, Wednesday, he'll be in Fomoy Community Youth Centre at 8.15. Now, copies of Bill's book that we spoke to him with on the programme in recent months, Doomed Inheritance, uh, will be on sale both tonight and tomorrow night and of course his book focuses on the looting and burning of Mitchellstown Castle and they'll be available or if you've already bought a copy you can bring it along and get it signed by the author himself 
Kildallery Drama Group Second Confession. It's a comedy in three parts. It's by Paddy Heffernan. It'll be performed by the drama group 8pm nightly at the Store Creamery Yard in Kildallery. It opens tomorrow night, Wednesday. It's on uh, and runs until Sunday the 20th with all proceeds from the opening night going to Marymount Hospice. Tickets are €10 Euro for adults, €5 Euro for children and are available from Kildallery Community Office. And a DVD of Clonbannon's journey through the War of Independence is now available. So make an ideal Christmas gift. The cost is €20 Euro, and it's available by contacting Charlie 086 84039149 Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie And the mum worried about her children when she saw that there was a teenage disco coming up in the coming weeks and it is a pyjama party and she's really taken aback and thinks it's degrading particularly for the young girls who'll be attending the teenage uh, disco. Maura says my grandchildren wore pyjamas to creche yeah, this is like a pyjama uh, day. I think it should stop at that age. Some teenagers are very concerned about their image. I'm just wondering what the boys would actually wear to a pyjama party. And would many teenage boys agree to going to a disco dressed up in pyjamas? I'm also wondering how many of the girls would agree to go in pyjama parties. They're also conscious of their image. And at that age... That teen, that young teenage age, you want to look your very best at the disco, and I'm wondering how you can do that in pajamas. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. Now here on a completely different topic, and this is to anyone who's installed solar panels, which obviously we're all being encouraged uh, to do at the moment. Uh, Jay says, I installed solar panels last year, and the excess production is exported back to the grid, for which I should be compensated. But this doesn't seem to be happening in my case. I've been unable to contact anyone at SSE Airtricity, who, who are my provider at the moment, as to what exactly, exactly is happening. I received emails stated that this would happen initially in May and then I'm told it would happen in August and the latest one I've received I'm told it'll happen in November. A friend of mine has had similar results but the difference is his provider is Electric Ireland. How is this situation rewarding people who are trying to do the best for the planet and it just seems to be rewarding electric generating companies? Kind regards. That does seem really, really uh, bizarre. And particularly when you're contacting them and they're not giving you any explanation. And do you have to export your excess production back onto the grid? Is there any way you can store it in batteries and use it for your own uh, use, uh, I wonder? We'll see if we can look into that. But we'll also give it out as, as a shout out to anyone who has had solar panels and the excess production, if you are exporting it back onto the grid, have you been compensated? And you should be compensated for it. I mean, you've paid out the initial money to get the solar panels in. We're all told that that's what we should be doing. You're right in your text saying it is best for the planet. But why should the company that's already charging us huge, huge sums of money, all of them for our electricity, why should they be making profits off the back of somebody who has invested their own hard-earned cash in solar panels? So shout out to anyone else who's had solar panels. Your excess production is your company compensating you for it. And can you offer any advice to this listener and also to his friend who's having similar results? 
but with a different provider. So, because my initial thoughts when I saw your text was, what if you swap provider, would that help? But obviously, if it's across all the providers, um, that's not going to help in your case. If anyone has an explanation for that, and we'll see if we can find out what's going on as well. 0818 103 103. We spoke about insurance uh, earlier on. And uh, with great advice from Paul Cavanaugh, just to be mindful when you're taking out insurance policies. But I, I was reading on the papers today that motor insurance, all of the motor insurance companies are being accused of profiteering. This is after it emerged that their profits are continuing to surge while they're passing on very, very tiny premium cuts to motorists. The insurers in this market here in Ireland have now made operating profits. Now, wait for this, folks. 730 million euro in the past five years alone. 730 million euros. Combined operating profits of the motor insurances in this market hit 176 million last uh, year as the industry began to benefit from major government reforms. And the government promised to put reforms in because that's what the insurance industry was saying that they needed. And they said, if you do that, we'll reduce our premiums. But it doesn't look like it's happening. Despite their profits shooting up, the cost of the average motor premium has only dropped by about 2% last year and they compared with the previous year and they reckon on average the average motor insurance premium is about €600. Now this is a report that's come out from the Central Bank of Ireland and their report is showing that insurers, brokers and lawyers continue to rack up huge financial gains from the motor insurance industry. The operating profit margin which is the measure of how profitable a business is that's shot up for the motor insurers. In the past 12 months, for example, the gross profit margin for motor insurers in this country has averaged 4%. But in the last five years, it's tripled to 11%, according to the Central Bank. Despite a small rise in the cost of settling claims last year, the, something we've discussed before on this programme, the average cost for policies for settling claims is 20% lower this year than what it was in 2019. The industry has repeatedly said it's the cost of claims is the key driver and the reason why our premiums have been so high over the last number of years. So the fall in the cost of claims, which is driving up insurance profitability, has now prompted accusations that the industry is profiteering by failing to pass on big enough cuts in premiums. Between 2010 and 2021, that's an 11 year period, the cost of claims per policy has fallen by 19% and something we've discussed and we've discussed that figure with the Director of the Alliance for Insurance Reform, Peter Boland, who has been shouting from the rooftops saying that more needs to be done to reduce the cost of premiums, not just for private individuals for our motor insurance but also for businesses they fight really hard for businesses because some people are going out of business because of the cost of insurance and Peter has accused the motor industry of profiteering he says between the huge level of operating profit being made on motor insurance premiums and their trenchant refusal to pass on the benefits of reforms to liability policyholders he says it's difficult not to categorise insurers current behaviour as simply profiteering and they're profiteering at the expense of policyholders and the state. He said motor premiums should come down. He reckons by 20% 
due to the savings that the reforms the government have introduced and and are yielding for insurers. Now, obviously, straight away, the lobby group Insurance for Ireland, who represent the industry, they claim that the cost of motor in premiums were down 17 percent between 20 between 2017 and last year. But Central Bank are saying something different. The Insurance Ireland, their chief executive, Moya Murdoch, she says premium costs have fallen. She says for a fifth successive year, she says Insurance Ireland members remain committed to passing on the benefits of lower costs to customers. And they may have come down, but I think the problem the Central Bank has and the problem like groups like Alliance for Insurance Reform has, it's the small amount it only dropping by 2%, particularly when Peter Boland reckons it should be dropping by uh, 20%. So, uh, again, we go back to that old adage, when you do get your premium in to make sure that you are shopping around to see if you can get the best value and don't just take the premium as soon as it arrives in. 0818103103. John Paul taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Joe Heffernan uh, joins me. Uh, good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And, and myself and John Paul were just saying you're some man for one man. Tell us all what happened to you this day last week. This day last week, I had serious um, spinal surgery. Um, uh, so I'm not exactly mobile, but I'm not exactly totally cropped either, which was, uh, you know now, surgery on your spine, um, oh. as JP would know too, um, uh, is not, um, <laughs> not, isn't smart stuff. No, and not something you'd be running up to do uh, every day of the week. But you're no. fi- but you're you're recovering, looking after yourself, and the brain is still working, and the voice is still working. So <laughs> so you're able to join us today. So just mind yourself, look after yourself, and uh, uh, t- uh, take care with the healing. Now, you want to talk to us today about an article that I spotted as well in the Sunday Independent last week, and it is an article by Neve Horn, and she is writing about the fact that one in three people have availed of counselling, and it d- d- describes the. T- times in which we live as the age of stress and anxiety as one in three of us have had counselling. Do you firstly take comfort from the fact that people are realising that they're in a bit of trouble with stress and anxiety and they're going forward to get help? Couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, nearly everyone faces challenges and difficulties in their life at some point. And at times um, we can feel overwhelmed and helpless. And we need to talk to someone who will not judge us. So our IACP counsellors and psychotherapists are there to listen. Uh, the members are all around the country and are fully trained and accredited. Um, it's a long road to become accredited. So you can feel safe and confident to open up to IACP counsellors. And there's two and a half thousand of us in the country at the last count that I knew anyway. And um, and you've got the skill set in which to help the person. And then, you do. Oh. You have an awful lot of hoops to jump through uh, before you become accredited. So, I mean, uh, everything from your training. I did mine in UCC a long time ago. Um, uh, you know, gather vetting. Um, uh, yeah, you have to jump through an awful lot yeah. of hoops to become accredited. So... 
um, I think it's safe to say that a person can trust um, an ISCP accredited counsellor. Okay. And um, as I often said to you, um, www.iacp.ie, and there's a, you can click on a thing there, find a counsellor. It'll and, find um, one in your area. It'll find uh, one. You'll find someone yeah, fairly near you. It's it's very yeah. it's very e- e- easy to to find somebody. Yeah. Now, but looking at the age of stress and anxiety, what are you putting it down to? Well, um, I suppose um, when you consider the the world uh, that we're living in at the moment, um, you know, there's the lingering impact of COVID. There's the Ukraine war, which we hear about every day. There's the climate crisis, which we hear about every day. There's the threats of a recession and the the price of uh, the the cost of living. Um, uh, the, um, the 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 cost of housing. Um, uh, the the world of the year according to the Collins Dictionary last year, they come up with a word of the year. And they came up with um, permacrisis, all one word, permacrisis. In other words, like, we're permanently in crisis these times. And if it isn't A, B and C, it's D, E, F. But um, uh, it's it's a very tough old world. And some people are able to deal with that better than others. And it's the yes. ones that are not able to deal with it. And the ones, I mean, I, I was looking at the, the latest study. Two thirds of people, two thirds of people reported feeling stressed often or sometimes. And that's a worrying figure for people to say that they yes. feel stressed often or, or sometimes. And it's when yes. that stress and anxiety gets overwhelming. That's when alarm bells should ring and you need to go get help. Exactly. Um, uh, when it's affecting one's life um, in a negative way, if a person is finding that they're not sleeping well, if their appetite is gone way down or way up, um, and um, and that they're constantly thinking about um, problematic issues, um, uh Sometimes um, talking with a trusted friend is a big, big help and can be enough. But other times um, it can be very, very helpful to talk to someone who is trained in listening and um, uh, empathic in ways that, um, you know, we talked one time about um, toxic um, positivity and if you say to someone this, that, and or the other thing, and if they say, ah, you'll be grand, that's not really what the person wants to hear. They want to be listened to. They want to have their feelings about the issues teased out. Um, you know, like um, when, you, when you wake in the morning and when you start to, with these worries, how does that feel? for example, rather than, um, you know, uh, it'll pass. Mm. No, there's nothing wrong at some stage in in, in a a consultation with um, this too shall pass, but it's not really what the person wants to hear, especially initially. They want to be able to talk out um, how they feel and 
while the um, uh, therapist in question might not have and usually won't have all the answers, at least they'll be able to ask the right questions. Yeah, and it's almost and like peop- able, hmm? it's almost like people want to have their concerns validated. That, yeah, you know, exactly. That, you know, it's, and, and then there's exactly also the, the, a study that came out in July uh, spoke about people feeling lonely and uh, isolated. Now, if, for people who suffer and, and who describe themselves as lonely and isolated, that can lead to social anxiety and health anxiety. Yes, apparently um, the the survey at some stage in it, it was a survey done by ISCP in July, and um, um, apparently um, the words like uh, feeling isolated and um, feeling lonely would have come up. Now, apparently the percentage of people describing uh, those symptoms were down a little from the from the 2020-2021 figures. Well, that's and, when we'd have been and, right and in the middle of lockdowns and COVID. Exactly, yeah, that yeah. would make sense. But apparently people more and more, and some people say it's a bad thing, and other people say, sure, it's informative, but people are Googling quite a lot on questions to do with health. Um, and um, uh, as I say, like... Um, very often you get an extreme um, uh, viewpoint on any symptoms uh, and uh, any, you might come any away. Any doctor will tell you the worst thing you can do is use Dr. Yeah. Dr. Google and I had a friend of mine who was diagnosed with uh, something quite rare and actually her consultant said to her, please do not Google this because you're going to get the worst case scenario, okay. which then obviously can lead to huge amounts of stress um, and yeah. anxiety. And people then who are at work, and I was only talking earlier about the working uh, poor, but people are worried about their jobs and the, the future and not being able to earn enough. Irish employees are reporting high levels of stress. So I take it that wouldn't surprise you. They are, and there's an increased feeling um, with some employees of not feeling uh, belonging in their place of work. Now, um, not putting up scare things or anything like that because um, we've had troubles before and they have passed and we've had scares. But the tech industry at the moment, I mean, when we're reading about... (laughs) Excuse me. When we're reading now about, um, say, Twitter and um, Metaverse and... um, etc um and uh, i think stripe um that the the tech news at the moment isn't very encouraging and um you wouldn't blame people for not feeling belonging in their work when their sort of as it were uh open their emails and find that a maybe they're locked out from their work um uh, connection, um, or, or be um, maybe told that their job is either in danger or gone uh, in an email. It's a long way from, you know, having working in a friendly uh, environment where, um, you know, where we where we know the other people and we more than likely know the boss, and um, you know where there's a problem, it gets talked over in a in a very human way. Um, 
uh, I suppose I'm old-fashioned, but I, I, I think the, the world has kind of <laughs> gone online as it were. Um, it has, you know, and you wonder what it's going to do to for relationships going forward. It's you know, I always, I often wonder about that. Um, yeah. Okay, but the message we're trying to get across to people uh, today: if you are suffering from stress or anxiety, or we've hit a nerve with anything we've spoken about today, is is to reach out. I mentioned earlier we're going to be discussing this with Ken uh, this morning, and um, I was making the point to him: there was a time when we looked at the Americans who always had their therapist, and we yeah. all thought, God, there must be something wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with having a therapist. No, it's a sign of courage. Um, it's to be praised when a person walks in the door. Um, I always say that, that um, well done. It's great that you have, um, you know, uh, decided you're going to talk over. It could be anything. The usual uh, issues that arise down through the years, um, depression, addictions, um, eating disorders, obsessions, whether of just thought or OCD, um, phobias, self-harm, PTSD, um, whatever issues are troubling a person that they wish to share in a safe, confidential setting with a trained, accredited psychotherapist. It might be something that's not on that list at all, but if it's troubling a person and if they don't go through any hour of the day really without this popping into their heads and uh, sort of taking over their thinking and uh, leading to a feeling of uh, the maybe feeling down or fear, fear of going out, fear of meeting other people. I mean, in extreme cases, that can be, say, agoraphobia where the sufferer is afraid to leave environments they consider to be safe. Um, I contributed a lot to that same um, uh, uh, article by Neve Horn was uh, Michael Ledden um, to do with um, Anxiety Ireland. Mm. And, um, you know, the very fact that there is an organisation called Anxiety Ireland speaks for itself. It kind of tells the yeah, story. I remember many years interviewing a woman who developed um, agoraphobia and it got so bad she couldn't leave her bedroom. It initially started she couldn't leave her house uh, yeah. and then she was upstairs in her house and she couldn't leave the upstairs area of her house but her world became so small she couldn't leave her bedroom. It, it, it was that bad. So it's just I, I, I've heard of people breaking um, 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 a fairly reasonable journey um, and uh, not going about their business, but returning back home because of feelings of anxiety. Yeah. Um, you know, so it can be debilitating. Yeah, but um, reach out. It's, reach it's out, is, talked out. Reach out is the message. And I've also heard, uh, certainly on national radio during the week, uh, the men coming forward to uh, cases of abuse out of uh, Blackrock College and Rockwell College, the yeah. shocking sexual and physical abuse of young boys at fee-paying private schools in, in, in this country. But the amount of them that said they'd gone for counselling and they needed to get uh, counselling. Some of them waited well until the, into their adult years, but they realised it was just taking over their lives, but only for counselling they were surviving today. So it does work. So www.iacp.ie um, Listen, as always, a pleasure to talk to you, Joe. Thank you for that. Have a lovely week. Look after that back and Thanks, we'll, we'll talk, to you again yeah. ne- talk to you again next week. Take care. That Thank is uh, Joe, Kef- Joe Heffernan. And of course, Joe is an accredited counsellor and he's available at 086 
0818-104-8145. Do I have a quick couple of minutes? I do before I go just to catch up on uh, some texts that have come in on the June, the disco, the teenage disco and that it's a pyjama party and one mother of uh, is feeling in particular for girls that it's degrading to girls to expect them to go to a disco in their pyjamas. Uh, Michael uh, says on the pyjama disco, I have seen some wear those awful onesies at the disco. Some of the girls in particular hardly cover their essentials anyway. It's unreal what some turn up in, says Michael. Someone else says, Patricia, on pyjama parties for young teenage boys and girls. Many of them will go in a one piece zip up suit. Uh, and they can boogie the night away. Make If you're going to have a pyjama party, insist that everyone turns up in the one piece. I don't know if the girls would want to go in the one piece or not. I think that's I think that's going to be the problem on it. It's That's what the mum in question has contacted us, is fearful of what her, their daughter is going to wear, what other girls will be wearing. Mairead said, yes, I would be worried too about pyjama parties. I've come across some of them in England and there's been some horrible consequences, mocking of girls, for example, over what they turn up in and some of the girls even turned up in night dresses. Oh, okay, I, I can even get night dresses for teenage girls. Well, uh, Avrilyn Mallow says, my sister lives in the Midlands and one of those pyjama parties for teenagers took place uh, last year. It was very well super, supervised. Everyone did turn up wearing pyjamas and she said it was just a fun event. There was nothing sinister going on. There was no drink. There was no uh, drug security everywhere and all of the young people had a fantastic time. So the parent is worrying needlessly. Thank you for that. And Eddie says this is on generating your own with solar panels. If you have a battery that stores the power then you can store the power yourself for your own use but the fear is that the price of those batteries are going to go up. Uh, thank you. Anula has lost a brown wallet in Butterfield to lost it today on Main Street as a reward on offer. Got to leave you. Talk to you tomorrow. Short today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.